I always look forward to the launch of a new Call of Duty. Like it's like like a perennial event in in my my gaming life. Like I look forward to the middle of November and playing this Call of Duty game. It rarely lasts very long, but I get kind of a kick out of it that I don't really get for the rest of the year. Yeah, I guess it's um, like what Madden people think of like Madden every year. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I, you know I'm not proud of that fact, but I do it. But I I'm, I'm hesitant to pick up Ghost because apparently it's dog butts. Um, so I just played a little bit of Black Ops 2 to see if I even still have the taste for it. And it was literally like 40 seconds before yep. someone told me that I smoke dick. Well, you do. So <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I don't even understand how that, how physically that would, that would work. Do you know what I mean? Unless you're talking about like artisanal dick smoking, like you're, like you're making jerky or you're tanning it somehow oh that might be it actually I mean, like at a renaissance fair pretty much anything can be turned into something you smoke right so i mean really it's a matter of acquiring the dick and then hollow well, it humans humans are like what like 98 percent water like i don't <laughs> think i don't think we're like smokable i don't think i think there's probably maybe hair no, you could but. dry it out sure and then like cover it in a resin a, th- a thick uh surfy resin yeah Okay. Well, you could just I'm... grind up the whole thing and just like smoke it like hashish. Oh, would it do I didn't anything? think about that. Like, would it have maybe... any kind of any kind of hallucinogenic effect? Right. I mean, what if that's how you gained a man's power? And maybe this was like maybe this guy was trying to help you, and he was like, "This smoke it This dick. was the original plot of the Highlander, and yeah. for for obvious reasons, it was uh, it, it hit the cutting room floor. Justin McElroy, and I know the best thing of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best thing of the generation. Whoa. My name is Chris Proplant, and I know the best thing that happened between October 21st, 1985, and today. My name is Russ Rush, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in sports entertainment. Sports entertainment, entertainment sports, and esports. Uh, but this week we're not talking about any of that. We're going to talk about video games. Is that not esports? It's Does, no, no. It doesn't. Land I mean, electronic that, sports like holograph chess. Yeah. And uh, cyber Gen bikes. Helms. Cyber bikes. Still Tron. kind of a game though, isn't it? Tron discs. Mm-hmm. Still game like. Game ish. Mm-hmm. It's an electronic game. It's different. Okay. Uh, uh, this week we're going to talk about our best. We're going to send this generation off in style. The next time we join you, believe it or not, we'll be like one day away from, or two days away from the new console generation. No, we'll be right will up they- on it. And like, will we even know? Because, because uh, I, I won't have a PlayStation Four in my hot little hands. I won't be playing one until the day it comes out, until Friday. Justin, I think you're there too. I think you're part of the hoi polloi. Yeah. Right. Plant and Freshick, I think, will be the only ones elevated to to premiere status. You will have seen us exhausted by twelve straight hours of playing God, PlayStation Four, uh, and I, I'm so sorry that we are going to do that to you. Guys, pray for Polygon. Pray, pray for, for Polygon. Mojo. That's all I ask. But we're not here to extol the virtues of this next generation of consoles. No, no, we're here to talk about our uh, favorite memories. From this console generation, uh, I guess I'll I, kick it off. Okay, yeah, all right, is that yeah. Okay? Is that cool by you? Yeah, I think um, so. So my my fondest memory, uh, and and I hope that we don't scare off everybody right here, was the first time I saw the Wii uh, console, the, that that tech demo. Do you remember that when they were like, "Hey, look at this piece of plastic! Oh my gosh, you can use it to play basketball with your television." I remember there was a very um, there was a very quickly mounting, like, it went from absolute horror to, holy shit, this is the future. It started like, oh my god, they're making, like, a light gun-only console? Like, they, we all thought it was just going to be light gun games. Right. And then it, that's absolutely what it was. <laughs> no, no, it was light gun, light gun plus. Um, um, but it was such a positive memory for me because at the time, I think I, that was when I was in London and I, I didn't have a video game console with me and I had spent some time away from games and I just didn't feel that jazzed about it anymore um, 
and I saw this thing, and I remember watching with my roommates at the time who also who didn't play games at all, and them being like absolutely amazed. It was like they were seeing a magician in real life, and they could not believe it. And I didn't work in games press yet, so I wasn't cynical about a, a press briefing. Like I was just like, oh, of course, this will work exactly as they say it will work. Why would they lie to me? Yeah. Um, this will be perfect. This will be the future. And just being totally, totally shocked by it. There was um, there was a very um, there was a very forgiving gradient from like there the announcement of the Wii and then the release of the Wii. And I I actually I don't remember the Wii announcement press conference. Like I, I remember a little bit, and I remember sort of was that, that slow when they realization announced that it was called the Wii. Mm, oh God! I, I think it was. it was. I think it was uh, Dolphin. Revolution. Or what, no, no, it was it Revolution? Dolphin. Yeah, Revolution. Uh, Dolphin was GameCube. It, yeah, I don't know what came first, the hardware or the name, but um, I, I think I feel like they delivered on a lot of those promises. Maybe not so much Red Steel, but like, um, you know, we we sports like that experience uh, held it's up. Certainly one game. The first party Super stuff. Uh, excuse me, it's five games. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like everybody was like sort of they felt like Nintendo sort of achieved what they had done. And even though they didn't iterate on it, especially quickly, like that was enough to sort of keep that system going for, you know, that system didn't have a price cut for three goddamn years. It's amazing. It did so well. I remember like, I don't remember the, the announcement either. It doesn't really ring any bells, but I do remember the first time when I actually played one, it was at that E3 when they first showed it off and made it hands on. And it was like I think like the day before, the night before E3 was going to open, and they had a bunch of press like walk through their booth, and I'm like watching people look like idiots, and then I put my hands on it, and within ten seconds, I'm like my mind was blown, and I don't think I've had that sort of experience with a video game since then. Yeah, because I can remember being at the Connect behind closed doors yeah. when, when they, they let some people touch it after that very first one was Project Natal. And, like, being pretty blown away by this idea of, like, touching a gas pedal in the air with uh, Burnout Paradise, yeah. which is one of the tech demos. <laughs> oh, and like, manzies. And being like, whoa, but then, like, immediately crashing into a wall. And they're like, oh, don't worry. It's going to be totally fixed. This this will work on every racing game. Don't worry. Don't worry. Right. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I didn't feel like the Wii didn't need a lot of that don't worry stuff. It was like, yeah, this worked. It was like, a silent it, 30 seconds of awesome. And and like, because it wasn't, like, for the time it was pretty um, it was pretty groundbreaking. But, like, when seen through the scope of, like, even technological advances a year later, like, it's not, it, it wasn't really reaching for the stars. No, right? it like was just that, a game design thing. That's all it was. Right. It was like brilliant. It was a game, game design, design thing, but they weren't trying to do like a whole lot. Like it had a few gyroscopes and it had the pointer and the IR sensor that that was um, a little bit wonky from time to time. But I feel like they they mostly like they mostly fulfilled the promises that they made, which is why I think the Wii U has been so disappointing because I do remember that console's announcement and that crazy reel they put up where like. You put the gamepad on the ground and you hit a golf ball off of it into your TV. Like, fuck <laughs> you. You haven't done any of that shit. <laughs> you know, you didn't so, even come close. It's so, it, it's so interesting with the with the um, with the Wii is that I think it really, like we talked about, we, we talk a lot about technology being disruptive, and I think that when that was you, the most disruptive technology that's ever ever happened within a console generation. If you look at how this this console generation was set up, it w- it looked initially like this would be the generation that was all about becoming a set top box, and it would be about online gaming, and it would be about set top boxes. And, I, don't, I think and, even set top box, box. I think even set top box. I think was even a little bit too. I, I think the original was this shit's going to be so powerful because it's got cell chips in it. Fuck you, yeah. Xbox. You ain't got cell chips. I only play cell chips because that's how hardcore a gamer I am. And then literally two years later, it was like, well, f- fuck. Like, they don't have chips, and they're doing really, really well. It, yeah, it just turned into this dragon that the, the, the generation spent the rest of itself chasing. Like, it, it, it suddenly was caught off guard, and I think it really derailed uh, a lot of plans for, like, where, co- where the 360 and PS3 would have evolved to. Yeah. Um, and probably force them into some areas that they weren't prepared to to explore. Because make no mistake about it, I mean, if there's no if there's no um, Wii, there's no PlayStation Move or Connect. The, I mean, the weird thing, question, no question. 
Yeah, the, the weird thing about it for me is I feel like it really was a magic trick in the end. Like, in that way that the weed didn't actually do the things that you thought it did. It didn't really uh, have motion controls that were doing these things. They just designed the perfect piece of software for the limitations of this this thing that they had created. I, I would argue that, that it got a lot more robust and a lot sort of closer to the original vision that everybody had for it when the uh, the, the plus attachment for it came out because the the no console has ever had a better swan song than Skyward Sword was what? for the Wii. Stop it. You don't... <laughs> no, because Stop like, it. that really? sort of... That, that, yeah, definitely. God it's, of it's War was the swan song of the PS2. You don't think that's a good swan song? It's pretty good. <laughs> but this, this uh, like, that promise of, like, you can fucking swing your sword and it'll move exactly how you move it, your arm in the real world. Wait, a brief segue. Does, do we all remember the Miyamoto demo when they were first showing that, that off on stage? Oh, and God. It, yeah, because it was it. that was the absolute that was, worst. Oh, my God. That was, that was so a terrible, sad. terrible, terrible oh, E3 I, I for them. I think if you look at this, um, if you look at this generation, like, the real success stories, I think, are... Um, the uh, obviously the Wii is is the biggest story, but if you if you look at I think the biggest surprise from this generation it was the the music game trend, and I think that it both of those are centered around not around cutting edge technology, but around play experiences. And yeah. I think yeah. as we go into this next generation, I think Sony and Microsoft would do really well to remember that the the things that captivate people and can and can really build. The sort of like fervent demand yeah. um, and you, and heat are play experiences and play with others. That's the other yeah. thing that those two had in common. Which mm-hmm. you guys are you guys are kind of chomping my flavor right now because my yeah, uh, that's a good segue. But, oh yeah, go on. My favorite experience. Are we done talking about the Wii? Like the Wii. I, I had one. I had one memory that I just wanted to share before we leave the Wii. Yeah, please. Um, this is my my favorite experience with Nintendo and the Wii during this generation was being at the uh, round table for the first. Uh, old school Super Mario they released on the Wii and uh, asking Miyamoto a personal question about his family life which is a huge no-no because he freaks out and Nintendo freaks out and everyone in the room goes silent and you're not supposed to do it. What did you ask him? I don't know. It was something dumb. And so I don't get I don't get an answer. They literally just are like, okay, next question and totally cold shoulder me. Then we go to play Mario and I'm playing and I'm playing with somebody else Miyamoto walks huh? up and takes the controller from the person that I'm playing with, and no joke, he runs over to my character in game, picks him up, throws me in a pit, and then laughs, and then does it again as if to make make it clear that I was being thrown in the pit. You definitely got on his bad side, which I and then and then he walked away. That was that was it. That that's, that's a pretty great experience. Um. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. 
So to, to keep this really fluid segue talking about music yeah. games going, my, uh, <laughs> my favorite experience from, from the current generation was sort of the rise of the peripheral-based music game. And I know that, that Guitar Hero launched uh, on PlayStation 2 and sort of kicked things off in that generation, but I feel like it didn't really reach its full apex. And boy, howdy, once it did, it burned bright and fast like a dying star uh, un- until Rock Band was released. Uh, because some of my fondest gaming memories, I think ever, and I don't know that this will ever change, is uh, being an early adopter of Rock Band and Rock Band 2 and Rock Band 3 and having that be like, no no kidding, from, from the launch of Rock Band 1 until maybe until I moved to Chicago in, in 2010, like something I played constantly every time my friends came over, like a few times a month having parties based around playing this game that like I don't think there's been a game that has been deserving of that really since Rock Band um, it, it it really is some of my favorite time I've ever spent gaming um, and it, it was sort of the, the first move that I had into this idea of of casual party friendly play yeah, and it, and it's interesting because I, I definitely had that same connection to Rock Band in those games, and it's interesting because you compare it to the Wii, and it's similar in the in that uh, it is sort of again like a magic trick because it's like you're not obviously you're not playing guitar, dude. Get with it. You're not playing guitar, but because of the timing, because of the like the way the controls felt and the way it synced up with the music, you like it like switched that uh, that switch in your brain flipped where it felt like you and your friends were this legit band they actually had musical talent and that was awesome the games were really good i i mean it none of this would have been possible i think by if if the games had been developed by another developer and you can take a look at whatever the fuck band hero or guitar hero 7 or whichever right i think band was what was the first one that brought like the Activision drums and well, never, never saw Revolution, right? Start. No, gosh. <laughs> no, Christ, no. Never saw, and never saw took over Dark Hero, and there was definitely like a pretty significant. No, drop. I know, but then they they did release a Rock Band esque game. I'm just trying to remember. They definitely did Band Hero, but I think there was a Guitar Hero four or five that you could play with drums or something. It, yeah, Guitar yeah. Hero four World Tour, I think it was. Um, and it wasn't especially great. It wasn't very good. I, I think the reason that Rock Band succeeded was because it took the stuff that you and your friends had already learned playing Guitar Hero. So it had that familiarity into it. It had drums for people who wanted a little bit more challenge to, to the stuff that they already knew. And if you had, like, no fucking idea what you were doing at all, you can sing. Because, like, everybody can understand that. Like, everybody can, can grok the concept of karaoke. Yeah. And then it wraps all that around in, like, a really well-put-together game with with great mechanics like the big rock finish from rock band three where like once you reach the end of the song everybody just has to like lose their minds and then hit the one final note like that's fucking great so that's super clever stuff yeah that i don't I, I don't think any other developer would have been would have had the the cleverness to to design that way um there's what? also like all the character customization stuff you could do rock band three's emblem editor was like my favorite thing ever you can put you can customize tattoos and then put them on your character wherever you want like it was just such a great it it wasn't a cheap cash in like so many attempts to capture the casual market were like they were fucking good games man yeah like cared about the music same well, that, it, the back then was about the music. Yeah, well, the the all those, yeah. Well, and all those people were in real bands. I mean, a lot of the, the harmonics team yeah. are musicians, and I think yeah. a lot of that carried over too because I, 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 it didn't really set my world on fire as much as Rock Band did. But those Dance Central games are the same way. Like, it's not just stupid dancing. Like, there's really, really great mechanics, and they evolved so, um, so brilliantly between between sequels. Because Dance Central Three had shit like the make your own move, like dance off challenges, and the the freestyle flashcard challenges. Like, yeah, it was really yeah. it was really smart. As someone that doesn't play instruments at all, I have always wondered. So when you extend a note on like a guitar, are you supposed to just slam on the whammy bar like in all time, all instances? As hard as you possibly can, yeah, because <laughs> it makes it sound better and you okay. get more mm-hmm. star power that way. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, I think my favorite experience was I. 
I bought Rock Band with a couple friends. We camped out outside of Best Buy to get it at midnight, and then we found out that Walmart uh, had started selling it at like 8 p.m. the previous day, so we just drove <laughs> over to Walmart and got it and literally played it until the sun came up. And we did that for probably a week straight, just like getting together, playing the game. And we were doing a uh, – I was doing a college radio station show back then at uh, – I think it was like 11 o'clock at night to like 3 in the morning or something like that. And the the week where we got Rock Band – I brought it in and we just played rock band over the air and had that be <laughs> had that be like the music that we were playing. Hopefully you and were I, good. Uh oh god, we were so good. And I did sabotage and I forgot to censor myself and I said oh, fuck on the radio. No, college radio. <laughs> no. Cuz I was trying to play guitar and sing at the same time or like show off and I was like I got this fucking thought and I, as soon as I said it, I was like oh Jesus. So then, did like, all 16 listeners write in or uh we got yeah. Whew. Those fines, man, are no joke for a, for a public radio station. Public owns those airwaves. They don't want to hear you saying fucking on the air. Neither it's does the like dean of the college. No, it's not a podcast. I can say I can sing fucking all I want here. Um, uh, my favorite Guitar Hero memory was uh, going to an event before E3 one year. It was whatever the last Guitar Hero was when... The series was very clearly on its last legs, and Activision rented out the entire Nokia theater, and it was like maybe 20 people in it, which made it already super awkward, and five devs came out and played like six songs, a really long set, and the game just looked bad, and they kept playing, and they weren't especially good at their own game, and they were like, okay, I know what this is. They're going to have like everyone else come up and like, you know see what it feels like to be on the Nokia stage. No. <laughs> they shut down the stage, and they're like, oh, what should we do? We have the venue for another two hours. And one of the people's like, well, I have a DVD. So they just played Zoolander for the next two hours. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, no. What, and and wasn't like, that a Judges Week thing where you were, like, trapped there and yeah. couldn't yeah, leave because the couldn't buses... Leave. So we were just That's like, terrible. and they ended up playing Zoolander. Actually, it was longer than two hours. It was four because they played Zoolander twice through. Because after Zoolander ended, we were like, oh, what are we going to do now? And they're like, I guess we can hit replay. It is funny <laughs> the second time. You noticed a lot of stuff. Um, I, 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 would be, I would be remiss if we let this segment go on without me mentioning uh, my Dark Horse like favorite rhythm game. And that was the DJ Hero series. Oh, that game was so good. Those games were so goddamn good. Especially DJ Hero 2. I think the soundtrack I liked, I liked like a, t- a lot better than the original. It had that fucking fix-up fix look shot. Oh, my God. So many good jams. Like I listened to that soundtrack probably more than any other game soundtrack. Um, but another like really well put... I think that was, what, Freestyle Games? Which yeah. I don't think is yeah. in long, no longer with us. Well, Activision um, gave up on that game so quickly that you could buy was... bo- like two turntables for like fifteen bucks a week yeah, yeah. after that. I should try and I should try and find it because uh, man, so I really good. really like that game. I, uh, it was one of those my... games where like you felt even more so. I would say than than Rock Band, unless you're like messing with like expert pro drums or whatever, where you actually felt like. I'm mixing the shit out of these two songs, <laughs> and every opportunity you had to like freestyle like the uh, the the track switcher like, and you could you could make your own remix like ah oh, yeah. god yeah. damn I have, shit was fresh. I have a special memory of DJ Hero because it's because of DJ Hero that an incident happened wherein I Will Swarstick, podcast fave, interviewed Jay Z. It was me what? and Jay Z in a room. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, I When I was working at MTV, MTV opens a lot of doors, and this one door opened, and there was Jay-Z. And I interviewed him for about five for ten minutes. How was and it? And talked about video games. He was a was super a, nice dude. Was he a, a producer or anything on that? Yeah, it, I, they, he was attached in some ridiculous way. Activision was throwing like so many names on their games at the ta- time. That was around, yeah. that was the time that remember they rented out the Staples Center because they had just Infinity War had fallen apart. I remember that. So they threw yeah. like they just. Threw you think so that's many you think that's why they threw that party? Like we're doing okay. It was a weird. That was a weird thing. That was yeah. where they didn't participate in E three, but they did that. It was weird. And that is the what is it? Two hundred foot stripper pole. Remember yeah. when Harmonix was making so much goddamn money that they got the Who to play a private <laughs> show for them? 
I showed up to that not knowing what it was. Uh, and then they had a stage set up where you could play rock band like before the mystery artist went on. And I did a set with uh, a, a few other game industry folks. I think Kyle Orland was among them. And uh, I uh, we did, I don't know, I think I did Pump It Up. I think that was my, my go-to usually for rock band. And then afterwards, uh, we went to the theater and the, and the fucking Who came out. And it dawned on me retroactively. It's like, wait a minute. I opened for the Who. <laughs> Think about it. Technically speaking, I remember. I remember you were in the you were in the joystick chat room with all of us, like on your computer when the show started. We're like, "Who's the mystery guest?" You're like, "The Who, gotta go!" And you just like disappeared. <laughs> Dip. <laughs> Lovely memories. Uh, so who's been playing? Um... You guys remember Tony Hawk Ride? <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about it. The horror. I can tell you about having to play Tony Hawk ride in front of Tony Hawk and him being like, "It's much easier than you, you know, than you're behaving. Like it, it shouldn't be this hard." Oh. No, it and shouldn't, like, Tony. Sorry, you're right, Tony. Tony. It shouldn't. Correct, Tony. <laughs> I bet it seems that way to you, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I can't do a 900 kickflip, Tony. Activision trotted around a small child to play that game in New York. Uh, oh, I went yeah. to a press event and there was a seven-year-old kid playing Tony Hawk's ride and they had us watch him play it and then they, at the end of it I was like I like half applauded because I didn't know what else to do and he was like yeah I really kicked its butt right <laughs> um halftime you guys uh who's playing Call of Duty I, I've played that whole thing whole all of it every little bit let me tell you how far I got. What I did was there was a I was in a spaceship and I was killing people in zero gravity and then I was back on Earth. Sounds pretty tight. Earth got blown up with an earthquake weapon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was in a I was in a a dilapidated uh post-apocalyptic nightmare scape and there were dudes everywhere and they were shooting at me and I was shooting at them. And Sorry. I got through. I did maybe two minutes of that. I thought, ah, all right, I'm, I'm good. Justin, <laughs> I'm, we had I'm a conversation done. about this uh, before you uh, went and played it, and I told you that you probably shouldn't because you'd sort of feel bad afterwards. Yeah, I got as far as I could. I mean, I I got through the, all the Black Ops's story. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really, it's baffling to me if you're gonna make what is. This is a this is not relevant to the point. I'm sure we want to talk about the game itself more, but if you are gonna if you have like a the the blank slate of basically just making a game where you're shooting people and you know that it's like basically the most well trod game territory uh uh of the decade, uh, like why wouldn't you make your hero like something internet like why wouldn't why wouldn't you have like a, a minority of some sort or like a speech impediment or a really fat Well, you don't dude, know. He might like be a something. minority with a speech impediment because he never talks. Well, I see his brother and his brother's a, uh, like the broiest white bro dude named Hesh ever. Uh, Hesh. So it's called adoption. Hesh. Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe like that's the twist at the end that I should wait for and the camera pulls <laughs> back and it's a beautiful... By the way, a, you're adopted. Bah. By the way, this whole time you've been a beautiful black lesbian. Like, I wow. love you, sis. <laughs> I love you, sis. You're my hero. Uh, I want to I share a moment that I had because so I reviewed the game and you can read my review on Polygon.com. Um, the moment that sort of blew me away and, and told me, okay, they've officially run out of ideas is... Well, there's two moments. One of them happens very late in the game. Do you think I, I, should I like do a spoiler warning? No, don't warning? spoil. It. Yeah, I don't care if the game is dog shit. Like, we still shouldn't spoil it. For okay, people. this is this is more in the middle, and people are aware that this level because it's in all the trailers. There's a level that takes place. It's scuba diving. You're you're. Oh scuba yeah, they diving. used it for the E3 demo. Yeah, they used it for the E3 demo, and the E3 demo was uh, mercifully cut short. Uh, at least they cropped a chunk of it. Uh, you spend no joke twenty minutes floating around as other guys in scuba gear drop down from the surface of the water and shoot you with underwater machine guns. Uh, and they Have frequently... these fucks not seen Mythbusters? That's a good point. <laughs> well, they're underwater because they it's the future. So that's pretty No, clear. I'm saying the bullets. Oh, yeah. 
Well, the bullets well, are underwater like bullets. It's just disintegrate when you shoot them underwater. Well, I mean, are you, Griffin, did you miss the part where I said I was shooting dudes in a space? Like, that? you guys couldn't, you're, you guys are in the beautiful majesty of space, and I'm weightless, and you still couldn't make a game for five minutes and not, it's like a person with Tourette syndrome or something. <laughs> like, you just have, he's got to be shooting somebody, right? Like, can you not think of any other meaningful mechanical interaction with this world than, like, me putting a bullet in a right, fool? But it's fucking and, like, Call of Duty. You're not going to, like, it's not like Mark Echo's getting up. Like, you're not going like, <laughs> to, do some fucking spray paint on the moon or some shit. Like, you're going to shoot some dudes. No, but I'll, I'm going to give you an example of a scene where they didn't do that, which was in Black Ops 1, where you walk into the, like, Pentagon, and you walk into an office, and fucking JFK's right there, and you're, like, meeting JFK. And that was an amazing moment. And there was no shooting in that moment. Boosh. What, I, what I like drives me crazy about this series, and it happens with like Activision properties that are successful, is they become wildly popular, and then it's like that's not enough, and they're like, how can we make it even more broad? And they and they find like something even more generic, like let's put it in the apocalyptic setting. Our market research says that would get us this many more million people, and then it just gets dumber. And like just blander. I mean, it, it's it is it is beef cooked, well done. Let's There's let us no get, let's get off the campaign because nobody gives a fuck about okay. that anyway. Okay, like, let's talk I, about I think my time. my biggest disappointment is one they got rid of the pick ten system, which is the the best like the best system of that type for a shooter. I I I think hands down. Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, they didn't get rid of it so much as heavily alter it for the worse. Because I, I, I just picked up Black Ops 2 to, like, to, to wet my palate a little bit. And, like, immediately I jumped right back into that system. Like, immediately, like, I, I haven't played it for a fucking year. And I picked it up, like, oh, yeah, I remember how this works. And I put together a new class. And, like, it's so easy and so, like, deep. And there, there's so many options. And it sounds like they've just, like, complicated it to a, a crazy extreme. Yeah, there are, there are yeah. still, I would say, it's still very deep, and there's still a ton of options, but it's like, imagine, because it's not hard to imagine, because you literally do it the second you try to create a character, imagine staring at a screen with 35 different perks on it, each with o- their own point values, and trying to figure out, okay, I have seven points to spend, I'm going to do a two point plus a three point plus a two point, and like, why, like, they just overcomplicated the whole thing. Um, I think also, I, I, and I haven't heard that many people talk about it. Um, I, I was really looking forward to the squad system because I like a good bot-based multiplayer experience. One of my favorite, I think, shooting experiences of this generation was uh, the Rainbow Six Vegas series and the terrorist hunt modes that yeah. they had. Uh, I spent a lot of time playing those, and I kind of had high hopes that squads would be that um, for Call of Duty. But, but, Russ, you make it sound like it's not actually not actually that shit hot. Yeah, so they build this as, like, this new, brand new, huge, huge aspect of the game. And it's it's essentially, like, you can do bot matches. Do you like fighting against bots? I did, that's what I'm saying, though. I like bot matches. Like, I what? Like, I, I do. Like, I like, I, I like that, that Rainbow Six Vegas terrorist hunt-style game. Okay, but, the, but that's not what I'm talking about. So I, I agree with you. There's a mode called, uh, I think it's called Safeguards in Ghosts. And it's essentially like Spec Ops Survival, where they like float in and you have to kill all of them. Uh, and that's fine. That's not terrible. But it's been in other Call of Duty games before. But most of squads is not that. Most of squads is like, it's you plus nine bots versus ten bots just doing the normal modes of Call of Duty. And it's not fun. Like no one wants to play Call of Duty like that, unless you do. Do you still Griffin. get Do you still get XP and shit like you would playing a normal game? Yeah, but it's like less, I guess. It's just like, does it matter? Do you think that's fun? Like XP. <laughs> I like XP. I like experience <laughs> points. I like ranking. Yeah. I like hey, guns I, and I like attachments and I like ranks and I like ranking through the ranks. I know people don't like it when you say you don't like one of these games this year and you, you like one of the other ones, but. I've been hopping on that Battlefield 4 beat, and I've never See. gotten into to Battlefield except I haven't from 1942. Either. Oh my gosh! Is it good? It I I don't maybe I'm crazy, but I am like gone nuts. Like I'm addicted to it. Um, I want that multiplayer. So that's what I'm saying. I, I want a and, multiplayer shooting experience where I can yeah. unlock guns and ranks and ranks and ranks. And I've been playing without uh without audio chat 
or voice chat. Yeah, because you have no friends on PC. Sure, that are but it, with you. what I'm saying is it, it's very much a team-based game, which was like a change for me from Call of Duty. And what was crazy was how easy it was to play and how a team dynamic naturally happened a lot of the time, uh, even without voice, just because of the way the game is balanced. And if you're not really good at shooting people, um, there are a lot of things you can do to rank up that XP and kind of find a place for you. Like, uh, I had to use the rocket launcher a lot because I'm not good, but people don't, like, trash talk you for it. Like, if you're the rocket launcher guy, you're incredibly valuable to your team because all the cover is destructible. So you become the person who basically is, like, blowing up the holes and making people vulnerable to the, like, sharpshooters. Yeah, and there's also the, the um, what is it called, uh, shooting around people to, like, slow them down. Uh, suppressive fire. Yeah, you get rewards for missing, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. I'm gonna pre-order this shit. Because I've been I've been thinking about either do I want Ghost? Do I want BF4? Do I want Killzone Shadowfall? Like I want some sort of so multiplayer. Shooting. I think what, what what I'm gonna go off of having played Ghost. Uh, I no part of me can recommend. And it, it apparently has some 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 issues on PS4. Yeah. PS4, uh, I definitely ran into some frame rate issues. Right now, my current plan... I haven't played a Battlefield on pretty much any platform, but right now, my current plan is to get Battlefield on Xbox One. And so I have that, like, multiplayer game that, like, will fill up my Call of Duty need. Uh, and I'm hoping, like, the port is good. I have no idea if it is or not, but I don't have a million-dollar PC that plays how awesome many P's, PC games. How many P's are there? Because I've heard a lot of things about Xbox One not having many P's. Yeah, it's oh, I believe the Battlefield. I've heard. I thought it had 1080p. No, 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 no. I, I think it's upscaled as well. Oh, well. Um, but I would say I think here's 900 the thing. 900p's. Well, the game people, itself is fun. People is freak like, out about not only I, that, but I don't freak. give a fuck about fun. I just want the most. All the p's. P's. Like if I know that you, someone else has more p's than I am than than I have, then like, what's the fucking point? <laughs> you should get into PC gaming. <laughs> There's only one p in there. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, but yeah, I just to give you an idea of the craziness. I was, I'm more about the game. So early on, I played the game called Don't Get Killed, um, which was just to stay alive as long as I could. Yeah. I, people got me in a helicopter because they could tell I was, I was lost. I put me in a gunner thing, but I accidentally hit the button to jump out of the helicopter. Perfect. And I happened to be over the enemy base. So I realized people were shooting at me, so I couldn't pull my parachute until the very last second. But because I did that, it slung me directly into their building. So then I'm sprinting as people are shooting rockets at me, and I see an elevator, and I'm like, no way. That, it's a video game. It, that'll either be a load screen or inoperable. No, the elevator actually works. It takes me to the top of the skyscraper, and I start stabbing fools who are sniping on top of that. Who that doesn't love riding in elevators in video games? It's yeah. great. <laughs> it's, it, no, it's great, when, it's great when there's an elevator that is actually a real elevator and not, not a lone right. screen. Let's. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week rocket money they make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need keep the ones you want get rid of the rest here's how it works rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest that might sound too good to be true i have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments i have and it's worked which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties you go get a phone you just want a phone to talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile 
Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Let's get back to talking about memories. Okay. okay. Memory Although I'm memories. glad we've settled this because I really was agonizing over so, what, what shooter I should. You can be in my clan. Yeah. Well, I'm, so, getting on BF, I'm getting on PS4, so I don't know if I'll have anybody to play. No, that's a dumb idea. Well, I'm not going to get an Xbox <laughs> One for a while, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, that's, okay, also <sighs> dumb. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hesitated sharing this idea, uh, this uh, memory of mine, because it, it's kind of bittersweet when I look back at it. Um, it was bittersweet at the time and, and continues to be. And it's um, uh, the probably the best moment I had, but also a depressing moment, because I it's the moment when I finished Portal 2. And I remember very clearly, there's like, I'm not going to say what happens at the end because there's amazing things. And if you haven't, for some reason, played what I would argue to be the best game of this generation, you should damn well play it. Oh, no. But the moment uh, it ends and the, and the music is playing over the credits, um, I, all I can think of was it will be a long fucking time before I play a game anywhere near this good. A long, like maybe until the next Valve game, who knows when that's going to be. And it was just, like, so expertly, like, every aspect of it, from the game design to the writing to the co-op mode that I'm sure a lot of people never got around to playing, but it's equally amazing. Um, It was just, like, this perfect, like, representation of what games can be and when, like, when games really nail something. And for it to be in a sequel, like... Games get a lot of shit for, like, bullshit sequels, like, you know, like, ghost-level, like, half-ass sequels. But when a sequel comes out and trumps what was already a universally beloved game with, on every level, and not just from, like, a, it has six more guns. That was kind of a weird game to sequelize upon, because, and I know I'm getting into, like, bullshit gamer semantics now, but, like... Portal launched in the orange box. A lot of people, when it came out in orange box, sort of thought of it as like this sort of weird appendage to the Half-Life games that were in that box. Um, Almost like sort of like a a mini game on the side, even though it was a a lot, lot, lot more than that. I think. Yeah, I don't think anyone bought the orange box for Portal. No, I don't. I don't don't think so either. Um, But it was. I mean, it was. It was incredibly short. I think I beat it like in two hours my first time through um which sort of backed up that that way of thinking so like to say that this this game is a sequel to that like it is it's so much bigger and the ideas are so much more fully realized and the puzzles are so much more clever in every single way that i don't know it's it's weird to say like it's like this thing but better because of course it is it's almost like it's this thing but an an actual fully fledged game this time around yeah i would agree with that it, it definitely felt like it was the first game was more of an experiment uh yeah. and an idea and this was this is what a game of this could look like um yeah i actually so i played uh chris plan i played uh, co-op with you yeah and i was, I, I was really good at it uh debatable <laughs> um but there were just amazing moments moments in the co-op that i i don't think i've ever had in a game before or since where you're just like Standing there, you're a robot, your friend's a robot, you're, like, both seeing each other, like, look around these rooms, and then these, like, you'll hear, like, the other person be like, wait, 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 let me just try this thing, and then they'll run off and do something crazy, and then they'll, like, fly through the screen, and you have no idea what just happened, and suddenly, like, everything will uh, flip, and you'll know exactly how to solve the puzzle. Like, there's a moment... 
Sorry. The, I, the, no, I think we're about to talk the, about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, you go, and we'll see. The the air high five. Like yeah, the air high rem- five. Everybody yes. remembers who played that game, who oh played the co-op God. mode, will remember this singular puzzle for the rest of their lives because of how fucking good it was. And I, I don't yeah. I don't want to describe it in case... In, in case people haven't played it yet, but if you have, like, you know what I'm talking about. I think you actually get an achievement for it called Air 5. Um, <laughs> it's it's so good, and it, it, it realized so many different aspects of what the portal puzzle mechanic was sort of capable of. Um, and it, it, it solidified it into this singular moment that when I played it with uh, one of the guys I worked with at Joystick, like, we just, like, cracked up laughing. Like, holy shit, I can't believe that was the solution to that puzzle. Uh, what yeah. I think is also so great about that multiplayer is a room can take you, you know, 15 or 20 minutes to solve. It's very tough. But once you know how to do it, it only takes a few seconds, which mm-hmm. allows for you to troll your friends and not, like, feel bad about it. Like, I, I, we gave each other so much grief while playing that game, but the game doesn't make that a penalty. It doesn't take lives. It doesn't. You don't really lose a ton of time doing it because... It's something to do to kind of, like, stop thinking about the puzzles. And, like, kind of... It, it adds its own levity, which is perfect because it's already a funny game. Um, yeah, that game is pretty great. Yeah. I miss it. <laughs> I do, too. Um, I... So, here is my... Weirdly, my best memory of this generation is, is actually pretty early. Um... The year would have been 2006, and I was working at a uh, a newspaper in the south of Ohio called the Ironton Tribune, and wasn't writing about games, uh, wasn't wasn't doing any of that. And um, the the uh, it, as it happened, sort of by happenstance, I didn't have a 360 yet, and um, on the uh, year anniversary of the day uh, our Griffin and Mai's mom passed away. It was a year to the day. It was May 21st, 2006. We said we were all sitting around my apartment, which was pretty close to the house at the time, and sort of spur of the moment decided that, you know what? We're going to go buy an Xbox 360. And we spent the rest of that day... Um, playing with everything and 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 goofing around on it and distracting ourselves and 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 you know trying out whatever games we had lying around i think putting in xbox one game or original xbox games to see if they worked and about uh a m- two months after that i was supposed to uh to get married july 1st of 2006 and my wife and i were going to move out of the the our respective places and move into you know a new house together and the month before the wedding, we our lease our our lease expired at our old place. So we decided that for that month, we would uh, live, you know, separately until we moved in together. Um, so for a month between uh, uh, the month of June in 2006, which is right after I got the 360, uh, I played an amount of Elder Scrolls Oblivion. <laughs> Uh, with my with my with my brothers there, uh, I think we were swapping controller and 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 each having our own campaign. But that month, we had like turned our dining room into uh, basically just a cave, where uh, us three and our dad like were taking turns playing through Skyrim. Yeah, or sorry, Oblivion. Each of us with our own character, you know, uh, our own approach to it, but. For a month, I we basically just locked ourselves in in this like in this world, and it was um, still kind of a weird transitional period for for us as as a family, I guess. Uh, still kind of figuring things out, and it was right before I was sort of you know going to start this whole new thing. But for a month, we did nothing but play Ob- Oblivion, and uh, I cite it pretty frequently as like my favorite game ever and I think it's because of that like for a month I was not able I was not only able to sort of lose myself in this huge vast world that absolutely would not have been possible on the previous generation of consoles but I was able to to sort of bond 
with them more over this game and each of us sort of watching each other and, and, and having our own individual experiences. And for me, when I'm thinking about video games now, it's really hard for uh, anything else to, to stack up to that. Um, and because of that, I, that experience, I think, was what galvanized me to want to write about games professionally. And less than a year after that, I was, I was at Joystick. So that's my favorite memory of this generation. I don't really remember that because I was like, at that period, I was too busy, like, getting getting girlfriends and getting kissing, girls and, <laughs> kissing them and stuff. yeah getting getting babes <laughs> I, it was like I, a, I, 2006 was like a really good year for me um babe wise speaking. yeah <laughs> um, no really i hit your apex i i remember that and that that was like that was uh, we have all all four of us always played games together i think coming up maybe less now that we we live in different places but like and, and sometimes to to a, a negative degree, uh, I remembered still the screaming arguments that we had over EverQuest um, because either one of the four of us wanted to play and on the one computer and the like 56k modem or shittier modem that we were running at that time, um, or our mom wanted to make a phone call or something like that, which was like would kick us right off. Um, like- but, but that 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 period i feel like there wasn't really any of that because that game and that series has always been so good about uh, it really was a different game for all four of us so it could be this communal single player experience where it's like travis would go through the game stealing every fucking thing that there that there was and dad would play as this huge <laughs> conan the barbarian type motherfucker and like you were this this foppish enchanter that could <laughs> solve solve puzzles with magic like I don't know. There really aren't that many game franchises like that that I would like watch somebody else play. Dad, dad was the worst because our dad would systematically pick up everything in a room. Like, no matter how like how dumb or useless it was, like if it was a fork, he picked it up. A plate, he picked it up. He picked up everything in the room, and he would become incredibly encumbered, and then insist <laughs> on walking to the nearest shop to sell everything. And you would have to watch him like fucking lumber the miles to the nearest shop just so he could sell off and make whatever dumb copper that he was going to make from selling that person's vase. Um, <laughs> I, I think part of it was also the magic of like, like you said, like that there, there weren't that many games when it first launched that you were like, there's no way they could have done this on the original Xbox. Um, but, but even Morrowind like didn't even come, didn't even fucking come close. Like it was such a crazy marked improvement. Um, man, now I want to play Skyrim again. God damn it! <laughs> God damn your happy memories. <sighs> that was nice. That was a really nice. That was a nice story. It was a nice episode. I enjoyed that. I'm, I'm like too. sad. I'm like reminiscing about the generation now, and I like had no emotional connection to it like an hour ago. It's you know it's funny because I never I I, I really it, it's hard for me to think outside of this generation because like for me at least um like this has been my entire professional career like i've only covered these consoles and like and you get such a different relationship with video games when you start um doing it professionally and it and it really sort of like you know you're 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 it changes your relationship in a really profound way um and 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 it's weird for me to think about you know not covering these boxes because like this has been sort of my entire professional life has been this this generation it's also been different in like the way that i play games because the way i play games now is completely different from the way i was playing games in what fucking 2004 like not nine years ago i i would sit down in a room with my with my playstation and just poop sock all all four discs of whatever japanese role-playing game i was playing over the course of two weeks and it would be literally all that i do and like God, if, if that was the way that I played games in this current generation, I would have fucking died. Because there's so many games like that. Like, I, I could only play Skyrim for a couple hours at a time and then have to put it down. But, like, if Skyrim had come out when I was 13 years old, like, that's all that I would have... That is all that I would have done. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, not only how things have changed since I started writing about them, but just, like, I don't know. I'm getting married in a month. Like, my gaming time is... And the way that I consume them is less less fanatical, I think. Oh, that's that's exci- can I ask you guys an honest to god question? Sure. Because we're like, I feel like we're in the honesty tree right now. Yeah. Are, 
are you guys really like are you guys excited i mean are you guys like super excited in the way that one would expect if like two video game consoles were coming out within about a week of each other no i i, I am but it's, for it's a, hard a for a different it, reason wait what one at a time let's go with russ first because he answered okay first. so I, I mean i just talked about this on friends list but i'll reiterate i mean w- with both consoles I mean, just on a software side, just in terms of the games that are coming out, it's not like there is literally nothing close to a must-have piece of software coming out on either of these consoles. The closest thing is, uh, I would say, Titanfall on Xbox and uh, Infamous on PS4, and neither of those come out uh, until Q1 of next year. So on that aspect, no, I'm not like losing my mind excited, but there is a lot of excitement that I get out of just like, drumming through it's weird but like just drumming through the menus and like understanding the new features and just learning like cool things you can do with these new consoles that like i currently have no idea i'm also super excited to never use the ps3 controller again like so there are aspects that i'm excited about griff what about you you excited you pumped it's it's hard for me to have any kind of um anything to compare it to right because you just described my entry into the, the the current generation is when you bought that Xbox 360 on a, on a Lark, and until that point, like I hadn't thought about doing it because like I don't think I had a job at that time, or maybe I was working at TCBY, not like earning Xbox 360 bucks. Um, so like the prospect of buying a console at launch has never really been a possibility for me, save for when the Wii launched. I was working at GameStop, and I had I had one reserved from the GameStop I was working at. And like that was that was pretty exciting for me, um, but it's hard to compare that because it was it was it was such a sea change. Um, I'm a little my expectations are tempered because of the software that's coming out because like Russ said like there really isn't any first party stuff that's got me super psyched right now, but um, I'm excited to have like new shit like I'm excited for it to be here and for me to put my hands on it, which I know is a, a completely superficial reason to be excited to you know i'm looking forward to buying something but i mean it's kind of true that's kind of where my head's at and i think that's like i don't know i think that's just a general tech enthusiast thing more than it is a a gamer thing yeah um i'm excited just because a refresh means that all these companies can kind of readjust their entire strategies to the way people play video games now like i think you know, make it easier for indie games to be available to a larger group of people, like learning from your mistakes and how you promote them. Uh, But even things like how Xbox wants to incorporate non-gaming stuff into the system, like Frush saw the split-screen thing where you can have the TV on. This idea of, uh, you know, Kinect actually being used as a communication device where I can have Kinect or Skype video chat on while playing a video game, which I don't even know if that's a real thing, but I'm just saying... You can't do that. You can't do that. You can just do voice Skype while playing a video game. But, I, like, I'm excited to see how how things evolve over the course of this generation and how I can live my life as an adult and incorporate games into my life in maybe a healthier way or a way that is, you know, more communicative with people that I want to be talking with while playing games. I, I, I think just... That's that's what I'm most excited about is to see the new ways we play games this generation because we don't know what that is, right? We don't know what the the rock band is or the dance central is or what the big uh, thing is yet because it's just so early on. I think it's going to be a first person shooter. Yeah, I, the good thing is I I think that that really it, I think that is kind of running its course uh, more than I thought it would. Yeah, I think I, we are about to see something new. Yeah, I would love to see something new. Um, so yeah, I'm happy just because I think it, it, it's it's a chance for people to you know try new things and and all the new IPs that all the publishers are working on. That's mm-hmm. I think that's what's exciting. Juice. Justin, what about you? Um, I I think I'm I'm probably closest to Russ on the spectrum. Actually, I'm weirdly like uh, it's kind of throwing me how close they're coming out together. I almost wish they were spaced out a little bit because I, I the it almost feels like an, um, an embarrassment of riches. Like I won't really be able to dig into either one uh, enough. Um, I do think it's a really big missed opportunity to, and maybe they had this, so it's it's hard to say in hindsight, but it's weird that with as much lead up as they had 
to this console as much of a runway they had to these consoles there isn't like a big launch game that you have to own and i know that that's you know that's part of the course though it is part of the course but i'm saying like as long as we had to wait for this generation it seems weird that and and as much as these two are going to be in direct competition with each other in a way that we we haven't seen before um it's 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 weird that one of them didn't want to come out with something huge. You know, well, something you had to have. It's a business strategy more than anything, right? Because they don't need. I mean, it helps, but they don't need Infamous and Titanfall to come out this year to be, to be. The to big sell all the units stuff. that are going to be on the shelf. Yeah, they're going to sell. sell they're going to sell all the units that they put on the shelves for the holiday season because that's how holidays works. And typically, you hit that lull right around January, and so they have a game coming in February and a game coming in March that's going to keep things going. And then hopefully in the summer months they'll be able to keep it going. But you look at the Wii U. The Wii U sold three million units from from its launch to the end of the year in like a month and a half, which is crazy good. And then nothing fucking came out. For like yeah. seven months, and yeah, then that's fair. And, and I guess one. you want to, you don't want to sink a lot of resources into a game when the install base isn't there yet. I mean, they're going to sell a lot more. Yeah. The install base for Titanfall, for example, is going to be a hell of a lot bigger, um, you know, in March than it will. More be. More importantly, though, it's going to no. keep. Nintendo has only sold. I don't even think they've sold an uh, an extra million on top of the three million they sold in the first month and a half. Because of how slow the, the the software lineup was was coming out, and now they have this like three or four month booster shot to like keep shit keep shit rolling. I think yeah. next spring is going to be pretty dope because by that time we'll have those games, we'll have more indie game adoption. Uh, fucking Octodad will be out. You know I'm gonna be on top of that shit. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I think next spring is going to be uh, a lot healthier time to pick up one of these things. <laughs> Um, it, but I'm excited the, to be an early adopter because it, I haven't had that in a long time. The only thing weird with the indie thing is it is so strange seeing all these games out on PC or out first on PC uh, for the PlayStation. Like, And they, they don't run on like super powerful things either. So that's the only thing that kind of bums me about out about my PS4. Like I was very excited it, about it uh, at E3, and now... I'm just kind of like, well, I played a lot of this stuff. Or, oh, but like, it's not. It, that's not everything, though. That's not like Octodad and Hell Jumpers. Like those games uh, are. Those games are exclusives. No, uh, and, and I, I don't think Octodad is. I'm pretty sure it's PC. And I'm Octodad pretty sure it was designed for PC. And I think it's designed to be on PC. Like the better controls are PC too. I think. I mean, maybe I'm. I, maybe that was. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Time Did ago. you say PC too? Do you know oh, something did, oh, I don't? No, I'm so sorry. Embargo, embargo, but you're not supposed to talk about yeah, the PC2 I, I, yet. I, I just remember a long time ago when they were like, yeah, this game was made for Yeah, like I think that one, I and, think I was I was wrong, yeah. But but I mean, Housemarque's games like Rezogun, yeah. like there there's oh, definitely yeah. some 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 games like that. Sure. Contrast coming to PC2? Uh yeah, I believe so. Um yeah. the And let's uh, just let's just hang out in the um the sad realization that Microsoft and Sony might think that Rise and Killzone are these games. Uh, like, oh man, let hey man, that one I sink played, in. I haven't played the rest of Killzone. That multiplayer is actually pretty fun. Guys, do you know what makes me happy though? Is, and I know we already trashed shooters at the end of that thing. Titanfall is the real deal. That game, man, that Rise is without question the worst demo of a major game I've ever played at a press conference. Uh, Titanfall is the. Did I ever. Did I ever, so I, dang I, cool. I know we are like wondering way off the fucking track right now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I ever talk about my experience playing that game at the Tokyo Game Show? Because it's really quite magical. <laughs> I would love I to hear this. I don't think so. Yeah, tell me. Uh, it was the first time I played the game. Like I've, I, every time I go to events, um, I very rarely indulge myself in like seeing shit that I want to see that I'm not like on the books to see that I don't like have scheduled appointments for. Usually, I just go see the shit I'm scheduled to see, and then I go back to the hotel and write it up. Um, as quick as I possibly can, because I'm, uh, you know, a hard, diligent worker. Um, but at, at the Tokyo Game Show, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to see Titanfall. I don't care how long I have to wait, which is good, because I had to wait like an hour and a half, don't tell Brian, um, in line to play it. And so I waited an hour and a half, and I finally got to play it. And I was like, here we fucking go, Titanfall time, baby. Um, and the group of Japanese businessmen I was playing with on my team didn't know that you could summon mechs from the sky. To climb inside and fight alongside at your will. Um, 
I was the only person who exercised <laughs> that particular option. So this 15-minute demo that I just watched everybody else play lasted maybe four and a half minutes uh, for me because our, well, our team got fucking shad-racked. Sure. It, was, it was brutal. And then at the end of every match, you have this opportunity to escape if you lose where you have to get to this helicopter before oh, you get fucking so murked. And, like, they were just, like... They were just like standing around. I was like, "Come on, Bodies guys! Falling we have to get you. to the chopper. Fucking follow me!" They were just didn't learn Japanese for get to the chopper. They were just getting stepped on. I was just going, "Hajime mashite," which means "nice to meet you," because that's the only thing I know. <laughs> oh, uh, this has been the besties where we said goodbye to this console generation. Next week, uh, we'll be in a sort of a bizarre state of of flux as we. Uh, you know, prepare for the next generation, but it won't. We'll be on the cusp, we'll be on the very edge of it. I still don't know. I'll probably be the best I'm gonna get with my PS4. I don't, yeah. I don't get Battlefield know. 4. Let's get dirty with it. No, you know what? I no. might get dirty with Battlefield 4, Griffin. That seems like a pretty good picking idea. Up a, picking up AC4 too, we can stab some Abstergo creeps. I need to get a, wait. So, you're gonna get AC4 <laughs> for the PS4? Yeah, I think so. Hmm, interesting. I think I might get that need for speed too. That's looking, it's looking nice. Really? Deep, oh my God. deep coffers. Over there. I want it to be good. Casa think, Griffin. Uh, think about <laughs> Mac too. Think about <laughs> Super Nintendo Mac competitive Mac? multiplayer. So uh, I, I do want to mention before we wrap the show up that uh, at um, noon next Wednesday, noon Eastern. Noon Eastern. Thank you. Uh, at noon Eastern uh, next Wednesday, which is the thirteenth, I believe. Yeah. Um, we are going to be doing a massive, enormous, twelve hour-long PS4 live stream. 12 hours of You don't have to watch all of it. You only have to watch as much as you want to watch. But if you do not watch all of it, I will be very hurt. Uh, We're going to be having special guests on. We're going to be playing through all the launch games. We're going to be talking about certain features. If you are sitting at work with nothing to do next Wednesday... For 12 hours. If you're working a 24-hour day at work... Yes. Uh, I pity you, but also we're going to be doing this. Uh, we'll be doing the same. Uh, you know, we don't want to think we're impartial. We'll be doing the same thing for Xbox when it launches. Um, so uh, get pumped and tune in. And that's going to do it for us here on the Besties. Make sure you join us again uh, next Friday. Until then, uh, more stuff on Polygon, like Russ said, the uh, the big live stream Wednesday at noon. Uh, so so much more uh, coming out in the next couple of weeks. So it's going to be huge. Stick with us and uh, stick with us, your pals, the besties. Every Friday, we're right here, and we hope for at you least will be five too. for at least five more Fridays. <laughs> at least five more Fridays, we will be here. Until then, I'm Justin McRoy. I'm Griffin McRoy. Are we doing the? We haven't done a sign. I'm Christopher Plant. <laughs> and I'm Ross Frustig. We never do this. Together we're the besties because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best thing? Bessie!